0: Are you a hairdresser or barber? Do you want to take your career to the next level but unsure how? Then this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to the Successful Stylist Unfoiled. I'm your host, Crystal Wilson. I've worked in the hair and beauty industry for the last 10 years, working my way up through some of the largest salons from each corner of the globe. Throughout my career, I've always been infatuated with the industry influencers, The people who have been able to make a name for themselves and have a flourishing career as a hairstylist. On this podcast, I'll be sitting down and talking to hair and beauty professionals who have taken their career to the next level. The ones who have gone from working behind the chair to exploring another avenue within the industry. From the platform artists, educators, business owners, TV and celebrity stylists, published, self-employed, brand-sponsored, and more, I'm sitting down and asking them how they've done it. I know these accolades can seem unattainable, so I'm making it my mission to break down the barriers, stereotypes, and simplify the process to make the dreams that you have more attainable. Join me every week on The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. You are in for a treat today, guys. I got the I'd say the hottest name rising around the Australian education industry right now is Michael Kelly and what he stands for and believes in and hearing his story. I completely loved, he could talk forever and I could listen and it was amazing. So he walks us through his whole journey, which I feel like a lot of times when you're watching someone on Instagram, you're seeing that almost what appears to be this instance in success or this overnight kind of rise and to hear his whole story and being overseas and the different brands he's worked for and how um, education and leadership came very naturally to him and something that he started quite early in his career um, and how it's led him to where he is now. He's now freelancing and hearing the journey that that was never the goal um, or the vision that he had. He was in works of opening a salon and curating that and the way that The past year changed everything for everybody it did the same for him so i think it was really interesting to hear the progression of that vision and how it's changed now and what he's learning from working for himself and being a freelance artist and the debate and kind of maybe not debate but conversation that we're having and hearing a lot within the industry now in australia about this um i really valued his time and all of all of the information he shares with us so buckle up it's a long one but it's a good one and I think anything that you can take from listening to him um he's one to watch so hop in myself and Michael Kelly okay today I'm here with Michael Kelly been a a long time coming I've been really excited for this one I can't wait to pick your brain and I think that the little lockdown you're experiencing has been a little bit good that I have the time to snag yeah
1: I know yeah for both of us I mean
0: that's the only good thing coming out of it
1: yeah totally no it's all fine I mean thank you so much for having me Crystal I'm so excited to be on the podcast with you
0: Love it. I just can't wait to pick your brain. And I actually, I love getting everybody's bio kind of ahead of time. And I feel like I learned so much. Like you see somebody on one platform and kind of don't realize that they have this whole backstory and life before maybe Instagram or, you know, what we see of you. So I can't wait to dive through your history and how you got into the industry because you've been in the industry almost 20 years. Is that
1: correct? I know. It's crazy. Like I look in the mirror and I go, whoa okay like (laughs) you don't you don't look you don't you you don't look like you've been doing this for almost 20 years but you know like because we start so young we just have like um like 10 years under our belt before we're 30 and then like when you move into your like 30s and mid 30s you're kind of like almost close to 20 it's crazy
0: so wild so how did it start for you did you always want to get into hairdressing I feel like you're quite creative was this something that came naturally to you
1: Do you know what, it's actually, um, it's kind of like one of those things I just fell into. And I know that like, a lot of people would probably say that, but um, I never really had a clear direction of what I wanted to be doing. Um, I knew that school wasn't for me long term Um, I just found that the environment I was very academic but I found the environment wasn't very conducive to me um, Mm. feeling good you know because like I came out really young at school and the environment was just quite hard so you know like to do well at school you have to feel supported on all levels I just you know I didn't really find that it was the best environment for me Mm. Um, and at the time I was like I think I was about Fourteen, I started working um, at a local cafe in a library and I fell in love with the family. They were such Mm. nice people. Um, They had lots of daughters and a few sons and I got friendly with the daughters, of course. Um, And one of them, she was like, her and I were like around the same age and um, we shared a lot of the same interests and she was an apprentice hairdresser. And I was like, yeah, I was like, okay, well, I love Rochelle, I think she's the best, Um, she's out there, like, earning money, like, she's got a real job, and I was like, I want to be a hairdresser, and I was like, Rochelle, I want to be a hairdresser, and she's like, yeah, just do it, she calls me Mikey, no one else in like my whole life calls me Mikey Uh, I love it because she does she's like Mikey just come get like a you know like an after-school job with us like just start seeing if you like it and I was like okay cool and you know like from there it kind of progressed very quickly Um, Mm -hmm. I left school I signed myself out I didn't tell my parents that I was um, leaving school yeah I mean it kind of wasn't that um, controversial either because you can you can kind of do that Uh, Well, you could kind of do that when I was at school. Um, I think it's a little different now. I think you have to go to a certain form and then you can leave if you want. Um, But yeah, I just kind of got a job and then um, that was local. And I was like, this is cool. Like, I like this. And it was about, you know, maybe five, six months into my career. And I was like, I think I need to do more, Mm. you know, like, I think I need to elevate my education and my experience in the industry um, Cause I knew I liked it. Like it was, yeah. it was very like duck to water for me. Like it wasn't really something that I had to think twice about, thank God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Cause you know, like the family side of things, like my family wanted me to be like a lawyer or a of doctor course. or something like that. And like, I think that also was of that time, like, mm-hmm. you know, families generally said to their kids, go to university, totally. be a doctor be a lawyer like all these things you know and like I suppose hairdressing really wasn't considered as a a real job um but I loved it from like the get-go I loved the social side of things I loved the people like the connection to people that comes with the job um and you know like all of the learnings that I had from a really young age it was kind of like yeah I can take that yeah I can take that criticism yeah I can do this so I actually went and got a job um in the city, so I live in Sydney, and um, I was I grew up kind of in the western suburbs of Sydney, uh, in a place called Castle Hill. Uh, it's like the Bible Belt of Sydney, if anyone ah. knows it. Um, but yeah, so I moved. I got a job in the city, and then I was like um, working for a guy named John Azzi. And John, um, at the time, was kind of more like an '80s '90s kind of like big deal in Australia, okay. um, Sydney specifically. And when I started with him, he kind of was at like the tail end of his like reign, you know, mm. like, um, but at that salon, I worked with a, a hairdresser named Cherie Noble. Oh. Um, back then, yeah, back then Cherie's name was Sheree Taylor. So I like, even in my phone, I still have her saved as Cher yeah. Taylor. Um, but Cherie and I really clicked. And this was really like probably a pivotal point for me in terms of like defining the direction that I took in my career Yeah. Um, because you know like working in big salons back then it was a really hard environment Um. a lot of like the industry like leaders were kind of like treat them mean to keep them keen mm-hmm. break them to grow them of an attitude and Shaz wasn't like that with me uh, she, she wasn't like that in general but specifically with me she really saw something yeah. and I was like I was really lucky to kind of meet her at that point because after a couple of months of me being with John Asie, Cherie was like, I'm going to leave um, and go and take up a head colorist position in a salon called Valons. Oh. And I knew I knew of Valons.
0: Yeah.
1: And for you, for anyone watching who doesn't know Valons, um, it's at the, that time, it was Australia's most premium salon. Okay. Um, it was very boutique and it had... It homed some of the best talent in Australia at that time and probably still um, as we, we know it, right? Yeah. Um, it was kind of like the big celebrity salon. Um, all the models and actresses went there. It was very society. Like, it was really like, you know, like the mesh of LA. Valons was, you know... Um, When I moved here,
0: I was looking up salons. I wanted to have a job before I moved and everything. And that was the main one that I was applying to. And I had kind of set up for when I arrived. And then that was, yeah, definitely one of the ones that came up in all my conversations and searches of where to go.
1: Yeah. So, you know, like I knew of Valons. Of course I did. Um, I was terrified of Vallons. I was like, oh my God, like this is, this is the real deal. It's very intimidating. And I, um, even though I might not seem like it now, like I'm almost 20 years into the industry, but way back then when I was 16, I didn't know who I was. I didn't have the confidence that I have today. And, you know, like I found that environment really intimidating yeah um, I only told this to Shaz. we were talking about it the other day um, we drove back from a class that we taught together from Tamworth and we had four hours to spare and we were talking about everything like you know it was really fun and um, I was like Shes. you know like I actually applied for a job at Valons um, before you took me to Valons oh. um, but I got so nervous from the phone call and the like the general manager who's still the general manager it was just so intimidating. I was like, I can't go in for the meeting. Like, it's just, it was Whereas too much for me. when she
0: went, you had that comfortable person there beside you Correct. who made it easier, I get Correct.
1: It. Well, I knew, I knew I could trust Cherie and I still know I can trust Cherie. And, you know, her and I have had an amazing friendship this whole time that we've known each other, but, you know, I knew I was safe with her because I trusted her. So that kind of started the I suppose the real kind of beginning of my career, Um, it was a sensational upbringing into the industry. Like I learned so much about people. Um, Technically it was an amazing education, you know, like it was the best at the time. Um, I've since grown many times in my technical ability, but, you know, in terms of the foundation of what I'm about and what I do, um, it was a really great start. It definitely um, was more, um, hard on me emotionally than I ever expected it to be. Um, but it's going back to that old school mentality of at that time, that's how things were done. Um, and it's not how we do things these days. Thank God. I
0: feel like the change
1: it's changed. It has changed a lot. And, you know, like, I suppose salons that still adopt those mentalities around break them to grow them, um, don't really have like, a strong team anymore, you know, mm-hmm. like of course they have team team players, but it's not like, you know, like you don't have the powerhouse salon to really have a really tight, talented team. Um people want to be nurtured differently. So that was me. I stayed there for seven years and it wow. was an incredible introduction into the industry. Shares went off and had, you know, children and um you know I took on some of her clients and built up my own. And then um, she came back, and we were both kind of on the floor. It was kind of crazy. Like I'd grown and I'd finished my whole apprenticeship, my training, um, and I was It'd now on the floor taking clients
0: back. Probably too seeing you have developed so much. Sometimes that's when we grow the most. When kind of that mentor person for us has stepped away <laughs> a little to. bit, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, you can come back and be the- like, "Oh, wait, you're not my assistant anymore." <laughs>
1: I know. It was um it was, I mean, I can't remember like exactly how it went down, but it didn't feel like there was any conflict, you know, yeah, like that's so she's, nice. she's always been such an incredibly generous person in all levels of um, you know, who she is. So for her and I shared the same um kind of um idea around clients is that there's always enough. Yeah, you know, like totally they come happens. in an abundance. Some come, some go, some stay forever, but there's always enough for everyone. So you know, like there was never this weirdness between us um in that factor around like clients. Sometimes that happens where it does the, happen.
0: The mentor goes away or on a holiday and you do their clients. And then I've had that where they stayed with me. And it's this uncomfortable yeah. thing that you know, you don't let the client has to choose who they want to go to. And it's flattering that you have picked up the skills and able to adapt those clients as well.
1: And you know what, like, here's the thing, like she knew that my skill was like, It was good for where I was at. Do you know what I mean? So, like, there was never any threat. She never felt threatened. And that's the one thing about Sheds, which I love today, is that she still doesn't feel threatened by anyone around her. And I really have that same mentality because I'm like, you know, everyone does what they do, you know, like Jamie Oliver gives the, his recipes out to the world, (laughs) but he's he's Jamie Oliver, you know, like no two recipes ever taste the same. So yeah, that was never an issue with like that kind of, and I know it can be, but it was never for us. Um, But I decided to jump on out of that environment that I was in um, because, you know, like, I think that at points in your life, you need to listen to where you're at, and for me, I knew that it wasn't good for me to stay there much like longer than I did. Yeah. So I jumped ship. I went, um, this was like at 22, 23, I was still a baby, it's but I went It's crazy how worked.
0: young we are getting into the industry. You've done so many things mm-hmm. before you're even, you know, I don't know, 25 or something. You have so much experience.
1: Yeah, so then I just jumped. I jumped on to um, like a much bigger salon brand, um, a little bit more commercial, and I um, that was called Oscar Oscar okay. at the time, um, and I was in their Paddington salon. So actually, it was just around the corner from where I was working, which as well is very controversial. I was just you know, like say,
0: oh. that's what I was going
1: to say, and you know, like you don't you don't think about it at the time. You're you like, know. Oh, I just, I just have to do this. But then like, when you think about it a little later on, you're like, Oh, I did exactly what people don't want you to do, but you know, like it is what it is. Right. Um, and I stayed there at that salon for four and a half years. And, and that to me was probably one of the most impactful periods for my growth as a professional. Um, I had a lot of really uh, great mentors, one specifically who I adore, her name's Anne-Marie Mason. Um, If you guys, ever get a chance to be in the same room as her her energy is just like no other Um, and her and I really clicked from the time that we worked together at Oscar Oscar and um, she grew me on more of a um, coaching on a development level of how to grow people not Mm -hmm. just technically but how to really build people into who they are Um, in a really positive and generous way, not in like that, you know, break them to grow them old school mentality. Well, that's
0: what I was reading in your bio that you at that time had 250 staff that you were team members that you were training and 15 educators that you were helping to develop. So do you think that's where you started your kind of education journey?
1: I think absolutely. Like I started, I was doing education when I was in my apprenticeship at Valon's. So like my first, um, yeah, my first experience around education was that I was head apprentice and my job was to like nurture like the apprentice team and make sure that they were on point. Um, and then from there I was teaching etiquette to all new salon hires Mm. so I would teach them how to greet the clients and this was like a really I think this actually is something that often gets lost today around etiquette Um, especially you know like how to approach clients how to keep them up where to touch them you know what's appropriate and what's not so that was actually my job um, every Tuesday was to Mm to teach. Those are the things that are Um, so
0: important starting in a salon like that. I'm very grateful that my first salon experience was somewhere almost so formal, like that you had to do those things that it really shapes you. It probably in, in all the ways that you now on your own with your clients, your mannerisms, all those things would be from having that as your first introductory into the industry you don't know anything else i love that the dog's involved
1: my sorry my dog is like super clingy she's so cute my my other one's definitely going to come in and say hi because they're a pair they can't do anything on their own there he is little freddie um but i'm just going to put her down because she'll probably try and stand on the computer which Uh, might disrupt us (laughs) Um, (laughs) go baby you're good um Yeah, totally. Like that foundation stuff often gets missed, you know, like you throw people into the industry and you say, go shampoo her or, 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 you know, like go set him up. And people are like, "What?" what? (laughs) like what do you what do you do you want me to like to touch someone to introduce myself like do you want me to shake their hand like what what do you do um so you know like that actually was the beginning of my like education experience and then it kind of like rolled on from there um but when I was working with Oscar Oscar I had a really um amazing opportunity to go quite big quite quick in terms of you know how um much experience I was developing on doing education with like a larger group of people and I think that's such an that's such an incredible opportunity that I was given because you know like salon educators generally work with teams from anywhere from eight to max 20 because it's like independent salons totally. but I was working for a salon group and that group had I think 13 salons at the time 250 team members and then you know like I was in charge of making sure that all of the the trainers were in check you know like so it was it was a really amazing experience and then having you know like Oscar Oscar with such a big Um, brand account Um, working alongside Redken I was exposed to a lot of amazing opportunities with Redken um, doing you know like huge stage um, kind of like shows with them when stage shows were a thing yeah Um, they're not a thing anymore we can't even go into rooms with you know um, 10 people at the minute but like I was given opportunity I was like 23 I had a major social anxiety around stage like presenting it was crazy it actually scared the shit out of me but because it's very different
0: uh, presenting to a separate group when you're presenting to your oscar and oscar family that's your safe space right because they're your your co-workers and familiar enough but when you then take that into a team of people you don't know or salon or that's when it gets really a whole nother level isn't it
1: it does and you know like the thing is that i was i was still young Mm -hmm. and I have really held imposter syndrome back then like I really did because I was like on stage with you know like five other artists who were all in their late 30s 40s and Mm. some were in their 50s and they'd been doing this for a long long time and I was like holy shit like I'm here with these guys like what's going on you know um I quickly realized that I had a really um great sense of engagement with people and that I'm really honest you know like I shoot straight from the hip like I don't kind of like fuss around things I think that's why people kind of like my education style is because it's very practical Um, and I really started to harness that when I was working with Redken Um, I did all of their you know like train the trainer program around you know like it's an internationally tiered um, training program which was incredible um, really intense yeah. um, but I loved it like it was incredible and you know like that was a really interesting four and a half years for me because I'd kind of hit a lot of um, goals that you have when you're in the industry you know like yeah. my column was really full I had a wait list um, I don't take a wait list now by the way but I had a wait list and I thought that was like I was the bee's knees because I had a wait you list you had a one yeah um, Mm-hmm. I had I was fully booked every day, and I was doing what would be considered local celebrities, you know, like influencers. And this yeah. was before influencers before, were I was influencers. Gonna say, before
0: it was a thing.
1: Yeah, and you know, like I was, I had a great relationship with beauty media, so I'd be constantly doing stories for like Vogue and Elle and really? Harper's and Bazaar. And did that and- come
0: through Redken or through the salon that you were working for, or? just yeah do you know some
1: some came some came through Redken um some came through Oscar Oscar's like um internal PR team and then a lot actually came from relationships that I built when I was um at Valons Mm. because the salon that I was working with was below um ACP magazines Mm. so Renia at the time had three salons and I was stationed in the city salon for a good part of my career with her and it was below like a, a huge magazine kind of like Powerhouse kind of office, yeah. um, so all of the clients that were upstairs um, became, you know, long-term clients of mine. They're all editors. Of like the top publications, they were all beauty editors. You know, like it was very quick. Yeah, very quick to build those connections. And you know, like I really agree with it's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm-hmm. And good fortune, good fortune, kind of like plays into the trajectory of your career. So if you're in the right place at the right time, and you happen to have a little bit of skill and a good kind of like gab on you,
0: totally then, story of you know, my like life. Like you really
1: yeah you're really able to propel yourself yeah um in certain yeah. directions so at that time I thought that I had made it you know and one thing about me is that I don't like to get too stagnated or comfortable mm-hmm. so I was like what's going on you know like I'm 24 25 and I've got all of these career goals kind of checked and I was like I, I need to shake it up so I Um, A big part of me really wanted to work overseas. Mm -hmm. Um, A really big part of me wanted to work in the US, but it was much easier to work in the UK. So I packed my bags and I went to London and it was seriously the best thing that I had ever done for my career. Um, It was at the start of Instagram where, you know, like, we, we knew what Instagram was, but we didn't really know how it would benefit our businesses. Totally. Um, we didn't really know how much exposure it would give us internationally. And I really went to London, a really what I thought at the time I was a big fish in a small pond, but I went into a really big pond mm-hmm. and I was relatively unknown Yeah. and I had to do something. So I had to Like people in the top salons weren't really looking twice at me, even though I had really great recommendations, a really impressive CV, which what I thought was impressive, Um, you know, like the UK market was so saturated and so big and they were just like, yeah, no, like, yeah, we're not hiring. It's a very different
0: world overseas than the Australian Mm -hmm. hair industry. Was that your first um, experience overseas in our industry or had you done education over there?
1: No, at that point I yeah. hadn't.
0: So you I don't realise like, until you go that, don't know. oh my God, no. <laughs> there's a whole other world you think- besides the Australian hair industry. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. And you really think that you're going to be fine, but you know what, for a minute there, I wasn't fine. Even though I had like what I thought was all the resources to make it fine.
0: Yeah.
1: It was kind of, it was a little bit challenging for a minute. And, you know, like I'd go to interviews with these top salons And I remember distinctively going to um, an interview and it was like London's probably most premier salon. And I sat with the manager and I'd waited half an hour past my interview time. I get into the room with him and I remember it so distinctively because it was just so, I was shocked, right? And he sat down and he's like, I haven't really read your like resume like I haven't had a chance to look at it um so he just sat there reading it in front of me I'm like (laughs) okay what's going on and this was a personal recommendation actually so someone had recommended uh me to them and them to me and he was just like really 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 patronizing in his delivery in 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 the interview and for me, I was like, the fact that you haven't read my resume, but you just bring me in to make me sit there for like 12 minutes while you read through two pages. Yeah. And then you kind of ask me questions. Like, it didn't feel right for me. Yeah. So I was like, I, ne- I need to do something like different. You know, like I reached out to my extended network and I was like, where should I go? Like, just tell me what to do. Where should I work? Yeah. Um, and then I got a job with a brand named Taylor Taylor okay and uh, they had six salons in London I think they might still have six um but I actually came on board with them to open up their first um flagship salon with a department store and Mm -hmm. it was a really iconic department store it was Liberty and for me that was something which was really exciting because I was like new different like yeah an iconic brand in a like opening up inside a really iconic brand like that's something that I could get amongst you know because I liked I like to grow things from the start so it was really really cool because we were inside this really iconic like um British department store and department stores like yes department stores in the U.S. are really like bougie and big they're very like like on mass but in London like there's some really big ones but then there's also some really unique small ones ones and those small ones have such a homely feel it's like you know on any given any given day you could have like the most celeb of celebs just shopping through there you know like I remember Adele used to come in through the really? store all the time oh my god yeah and no one would know no one would know it was her She's just because she had her hair wasn't done her makeup wasn't done she just had two bodyguards and you know like the only way that people would realize that it was her was because she'd open her mouth and she has a very iconic voice Um, so you know like this is it was kind of like a more low-key but very 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 high-end experience and that was something which I really wanted to be a part of so I joined that team it was incredible Um, for the first time ever I was working with color brands that I had no idea about so like that as well as a colorist was challenging my and not having were a clientele really...
0: as well at that point. Like it's things like that that you don't think of. I mean, I can relate from moving overseas being like, oh, mm-hmm. it's amazing. I have this, this, this. And oh, wait, I don't have a single client here.
1: <laughs> like not, not one single. I mean, I was lucky I had a few Australians. I could like hold them in my uh, hands of how many clients I had.
0: Yeah.
1: There is. Yeah. So, you know, like from there, it was just like, um, it was just building up a repertoire with within the local market in London. And, you know, like I used Instagram to leverage, um, my exposure and I just started to get like onto it. And, you know, like Instagram for me it, for then was kind of like a little bit client focused and a little bit industry focused. Mm-hmm. I wanted it to be like a 50 50 oh. split and that's changed, which we'll talk about later. Cool. But, um, you know, like I wanted to post techniques, but also post hair. Um, And slowly, slowly my following went up and I started getting, you know, like hair colorists in LA following me and then hair colorists in New York following me and other local artists were all following me. And I was, was like, oh, this just is organic. Cool. Like, I started- like,
0: was that just from it you was organic. Just genuinely posting? It wasn't like you had somebody helping you or marketing or anything no, like that. It was all organic.
1: It was all organic and it's still organic. Like I don't have anyone else working on my Instagram. It's just me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like I have a specific tone, which I really, it can't be emulated because it's its me, you know. So that's why I've never outsourced my Instagram. Yes, it's not as strong as it could be um, in terms of like content, like delivery. Um, like I don't post a lot because I only post what I really, really, really love. Yeah. Um, and if the content's not right, I'm not going to put it up there. But it's always been me because I, I think thats it's so crucial to maintain authenticity, especially yeah. in a market which is so saturated. Um, that's your point of difference. So, correct. So it was just me. And, you know, like a lot of these hairdressers that I was talking to um, in really like prestigious salons in L.A. specifically, They were all looking for someone to send their clients to in London. Because, you know, like when you're in the epicenter of the world, which I feel like London is at the time it was anyway, you know, like it's very easy for people to fly in and out, whether it's for, you know, like short work trips or for, you know, like they're there for a six month placement. So a lot of these high profile clients who had been seeing high profile colorists um, in LA were all coming to now see me. So that's how I got to know like all of these really cool like I I suppose you could call them celebrity hairdressers in the states Um, and it's how I started to build a really big kind of like audience throughout all of the Middle East all of the Europe and the UK and you know like America and this was all at a time where Instagram yeah really wasn't like what it is today Mm -hmm. you know you could really leverage from that type of connection with people and your following just was going up like very very steadily You know, like today, like I'm still sitting on like the last the same hundred followers that I've been sitting on for about three months. Like it's so challenging today to to build a following now
0: compared to then.
1: It is. I would say it's almost impossible. Like people ask me all the time in my education, like how do you get a large following? And I'm like, I got
0: it a long time ago.
1: I got it a long time ago, and you know, like the thing is that it really isn't about. These days, it's not about a large following. It's about your, um, like, how engaged your audience is, right? So, like, it's a very different conversation to have now than what it was back then. Like, back then, all people wanted to do was reach 10K, 20K, 30K, 50K. Um, But, you know, like, it was much more of an organic growth On Instagram back then and suddenly I've got like really great relationships and connections the clients love their hair I'm fully booked inside a you know like a prestigious salon I was like this was all in a year and a half and I was like shit this is crazy but one thing I realized about my experience in London at that time I know it's changed now but at that time like sharing and generosity in education in the industry in the UK wasn't a thing so you'd go like I'd go Someone to these like their
0: cards close
1: oh they hold them really close they did um and that's typically very British as well mm. um and like I found that you know you'd go to like um brand education whatever it would be like Redken, can plates whatever it would be and you know like the it would the classes would be set to finish at 5 30 or 6 um and people would leave at 5.30 on the dot, regardless mm. of what the educator was doing. And I was like, this would never fly back home. No. You know, like Australian industry community um, gives people time. You know, like there was a real generosity around time within the community. Um, but I was really feeling disconnected to something that I really loved, which was having an opportunity to influence and have impact and add value to people. Um in my industry, like within the community, yeah. which I wasn't really getting an opportunity to do. Like, yes, I was doing some education. The education that I was doing that Taylor Taylor wanted me to do was really not the type of work that I love to do. Like, yeah. it was all like traditional, um, you know, like avant-garde style. Um, you know, like
0: which would be so opposite would, to your brand it's now. So yeah, me, and you feels, can't teach me, something you don't old love. Old. Like
1: no. So they wanted like panels of gray and, you know, like <laughs> slices and of like red with like black. And I'm like, this is not really me, you know? And like, I talked to them about it all the time being like, I'm about salon friendly, beautiful, like commercial, like techniques that people can do immediately. And they can do all day, every day on their clients. Like, cause that's what I'm about, you know, yeah. like that's how I want to add value to people. Um, But they really, there wasn't a good connection in education for me in the UK at that time. Um, So, and plus, like, I realised that a big part of me is what I do. Um, And a lot of my self-esteem then came from that feeling of being successful in my industry. So I really had to merge back home to Australia I was actually um, with an ex-boyfriend and we were living there together. And I came home one day and I said, hey, you know, when we go home in September um, for that wedding, I'm going to stay. I can't come back to London. Yeah, it was a bit like that. And I was just like, I knew I needed to be back in like, a demographic of people that I really felt comfortable around. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that I didn't create amazing connections in the UK, in the industry. But I did. that's what felt safe um, to
0: you and, and home for you was home.
1: Correct. And, yeah. you know, like for me, I've always been one to be guided by um, gut and intuition. Yeah. And something which just told me I need to go back. And, you know, like fast forward, what, five years now. It was the best decision that I had ever made was to come back. Um, so I came back and I was having two conversations at the time. So one was with um, Jay of Edwards and Co. And one was with my old boss, Paloma, who oh. had taken over Oscar Oscar. Yes, um, I know her. And yeah. yeah, she's a legend. So P and I were really good friends. And, um, you know, like I was having chats with her and, it was either go back to what I know um, or move forward for something which was exciting, but also quite scary at the time. And, you know, like emotionally I was in a bit of a kind of like, I needed to go back to comfort totally. um, because I'd felt a little bit fish out of water for a long time. I just needed to, to come home and to recalibrate um, and get my feet back on the ground. So I went back to um, Paloma, a Paloma salon and, you know, like Jay was disappointed with me because I'd kind of built up to the point of I was promising what I could offer to him Mm. and his brand. Um, You were pitching yourself
0: to him and then kind of were like, "Mm, but I'm not going to do it. (laughs)
1: Correct, correct. Correct, Well, I almost almost did in the beginning because I was like, you know, like it's scary, but the only thing that really held me back from going over to Jay at that time was that I didn't feel like I was cool enough, right, to be a part of his brand. Um, even though I really, I really wanted to be at that time. Um, but I just didn't feel like I would fit. And I needed, I needed to know that I fit, you know, cause I'd kind of like where I was Re-establish in my yourself there
0: again and get your clientele yes. going and your confidence back. Correct.
1: Correct. But I actually only lasted 12 weeks with Paloma and um, we laugh about it now, but you know, <laughs> like one thing I realized about myself um, is that I can't ever go back you know, like backwards for me is never a, a direction that I can go. Um, so what I realized about my time there is that in that whole time that I had been away, it was only about a year and seven months, is that I had changed substantially. Totally. The growth that not. I had had, no, like environmentally, I was forced to change and grow and it was amazing. But, you know, like Paloma and a Paloma salon I hadn't they hadn't changed so much so you know like their their tone of voice was the same their way of operating was the same and you know like I kind of realized quite quickly that I was super frustrated going backwards when I had expanded beyond trying to fit yourself Um,
0: into this smaller space that you can't you can't get back in there when you've already expanded I totally get that
1: yeah, and you know, like I realized as well that the freedom because in London um, I was working for Taylor Taylor, but I was like self-employed. Yeah. Um, and you know, like the freedom that comes with that type of experience—it's um, when you go back and you you try and like jam yourself into that kind of area that you were in, uh, frustrations just run high. As in,
0: you were like a chair rental or a commission-based operator at that time?
1: Commission, commission-based. Yeah.
0: That's what I came from at home too. I find it very, very hard not being that way when that's what you
1: know. Correct. And, you know, like, because Paloma had left the Oscar Oscar community, um, which was an amazing, amazing thing for her to do. Um, There also was like, I'd gone back to a really small solo salon, you know, like it was just, it was back to one team um, and one space. And, you know, like I was all about, like my experience there was all about big, you know, like all of the
0: locations. Lots of
1: people. Totally. Correct. Um, So, you know, after three months, I picked up my phone and I sent a sheepish email to Jay
0: (laughs) saying, like,
1: (laughs) hey, it was a bit like that. And um, I said, hey, like, do you reckon we could pick up? from our conversation that we left off on and you know like a lot of people don't know this about Jay and I but we actually were at that point frenemies um, you know like we're exactly the same age we'd kind of launched into the industry um, Jay had come from similar kind of salon backgrounds as what I had and we knew of each other we both have a very similar style of aesthetic yeah. um, it's all about glossy and beautiful and you know like very soft grow out and we had this really weird, like, friction between us for a long time. And I made sure that when I said, when it came to, you know, like, talking about employment, I was, like, I really want to make sure that whatever, you know, past we've had stays in the past. Yeah. Um, because I really believe that we can do something really brilliant together. Uh, but we need to leave that kind of, like, bygones be bygones, you know, like, let them go. And he was, like, oh. Don't worry about it. Yep, we're good. So we met and we had an amazing conversation. It was like we sat for like three hours. Um, and this was a really interesting time for Jay and his brand because you know, like he was starting to acquire a lot of really top-tier talent to come in and work for him. Yeah. Um, and his brand was growing like and expanding rapidly, but he didn't really have anyone there to kind of help him, you know, like control the quality. With the vision, um, yeah. and you know, like have a vision, um, for you know growth and development, and to roll out, you know, like a successful education kind of business within his business, and you know, like that was kind of like my forte I was at that just point. Like say I that's gotten, your I'd gotten, bread and
0: butter. Yeah,
1: yeah, I'd gotten, I'd gotten really good at it, and I got a lot better at it when I was working with Jay because one thing which. I really loved about working alongside of him. He was very much a yes person. Um, any ideas I had, he was like, yes, yes, yes. Uh, and if he ever really felt like something didn't seem right, he was like, let's let's have a look at this, you know, um, which was very minimal. Like Jay gave me a lot of freedom to build like a really healthy he education system for his brand. Um, And that really, like, if I can be honest with you, Crystal, that doesn't happen a lot. Yeah. So it's not, it's really, really, really difficult for salon owners to let go um, Mm -hmm. of the control that much. But Jay really trusted me and he really knew that, like, what we were working on and working towards was something that he really believed in. Correct. So I came on board and it was a really difficult experience for me in the beginning, to be honest. And it kind of like it rippled on from there in terms of difficulty. Um, because but, you feel
0: like you, it's your ideas growing somebody else's brand?
1: Not at all. Oh. Not at all. Because the the team that he had, there was a lot of friction from them with me coming on board mm. um, because there was I think there was like almost like this Um, unfounded animosity towards me because they're like who does he think he is coming in here like getting all of this kind of like um, you know I suppose it was like power or opportunity to kind of build and grow the brand Um, and I got a lot of like there was a lot of backlash you know like people were rude to me people didn't make me feel welcome and like having said that there was that there was those people but then there was also like a whole bunch of amazing people who were like yes like they're really like yeah come on board like I'm talking not only from like a like a a stylist perspective but also like a management perspective Mm. you know like because in salon lands especially when you have multiple salons there's a big divide between who sits in management and who sits in you know like on the salon floor
0: yeah
1: um and it Which was really is what hard. What causes to inter-
0: a lot of the issues in those
1: scenarios? Correct, correct. That so it was really hard to to integrate in the beginning, um, but we, you know, like Jay and I just both remained really patient around it. Um, he understood, and I always had his support. It was like, honestly, like the the support and the respect that I got from him was incredible. Um, But we both knew that we needed to tread lightly for a little while to make my impact there successful. Um, Can't go too much too soon. Exactly. And, you know, like I really realized that – much earlier on in my career so i was very familiar with how to integrate into a big business and do it so that it wasn't intrusive or imposing for people Um, and you know like the change wasn't overwhelming but you know like what we did was pretty phenomenal you know like i was able to launch an internal education infrastructure for him which was all about development and growth of team starting from you know like apprentice all the way through to, you know, like senior um, experience levels. Which is a huge thing
0: because I think people outside of that salon group look to that salon group for that. That's what they're known for, for me moving and thought process. Like that is, I would think, something that is quite reputable about that brand. So to be a part of that and be the foundation of that is a huge accomplishment.
1: Yeah, it really was. And, you know, like I think that the only way that I was able to do it was from having that relationship with Jay, which was about, yes, you know, like, I'm like, I've got these ideas and this is how I think it needs to be done. This is how I think we need to communicate it. You know, like, what do you think? He's like, yeah, I love it. And you know, like when you're on a, on a ride, right. And you have someone who's championing you and your ideas. Yeah. Really what grows from there is just an enormous amount of like gold you know, like we were just creating really amazing, impactful um, kind of like infrastructure for his business. And I was so proud of it. Like it was incredible. And, you know, like Jay was like, I also really would love to take education out to the industry. Mm. And he's like, I've done like one or two workshops before, but I really want to level up. And I was like, yeah, let's, let's do it. Like, I love, I you love this idea. have someone with the
0: same vision as you wanting to make Correct. this impact in the industry as
1: well. Correct. And, you know, like, I was lucky because I had really strong skill set for education and delivery, you know, like, and that all comes down, comes back to my Redkin foundations. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, Jay was really open to learning. So we were at a point where, We felt really good about working alongside of each other. And then he was also like, I really love your style of education and how you are as an educator. And like, it was just this beautiful, like harmony of teaching and growing and teaching and growing. And, you know, like before we knew it, we had this really strong team of educators who all really wanted to be a part of it um because it was exciting you know like we were traveling interstate we were taking workshops we were you know like doing the content and you know like there was a lot of um applaud um coming from the industry around the workshops and we found that a lot of people inside the business really wanted to be a part of education because it seemed fun and it was something to level up to so all while doing this we were like imagine if we like just maybe took it overseas you know like imagine how cool it would be and you know like one thing about Jay which I love is that his like mind is just like so big in terms of he'll take risks that other people will not take and they're big like they're really big and you know like I was like, well, listen, like, I've got a really great following in London from the time that I was there. And London really, really need education, like the way that we do hair. Yeah. And I was like, I reckon if we went to London, we could sell out a class. And he was like, okay, Okay. let's, (laughs) let's do it. Yeah, totally. It was just like, let's do it. And let's do a budget. And let's see how much it's going to cost us. And, you know, like, So we did it and we didn't do one day sold out. We did two days sold out and it really was like the beginning of Edwards & Co education on an international platform. Yeah. And also personally it was the beginning of my international status around education because I was given the opportunity to travel and to educate internationally internationally and have the full support and backing of a company and it wasn't
0: proud too. going back from this place of being in England and feeling like that maybe wasn't the right fit at that time or that you needed to come back to feel comfortable and secure again and then to be able to go and do that would be this real full circle empowering feeling of like
1: I did it it." weird yeah yeah it was weird and it was exciting and you know like um one thing about me is I never really get on this like high for too long you know I'm like I'm up there and then I'm like okay like let's get back down to earth and let's just let's just do the work you know because we really need to like keep it going you know like momentum Um, so we went from doing the UK to doing the US and like then it went gangbusters because as you know like the US market is the biggest and if you can crack if you can crack LA New York Mm -hmm honestly you're fucking you're sweet like you're good everywhere um so we did we did like um this really amazing six-week tour which included LA um it included San Francisco it included New York We were in Toronto over in Canada. Um, And yeah, and then we were back in LA. And, you know, like all the time while we're on these trips, we were meeting the most amazing people. You know, like we were having like business meetings in Soho House in LA. We were having coffees in, you know, like the West Village with people. Like we were really using the time that we were there to connect with the industry and And not just like.
0: through Instagram like or through the people that you'd met in London like how did those relationships overseas form
1: mm -hmm. yeah so it was like specifically um it was through contacts that we knew personally um you know like about seven months into working for Edwards and Co I decided to do a trip to LA on my own accord um, to do assisting and shadowing um, and then jump over to New York and do assisting and shadowing. So I was also so nervous at that point because I was going into really big salons. Um, but the colorists that I had met through Instagram when I was working in London, we decided that I'd go in and do shadowing days for them. Um, so one was Chris Green, who works at Mesh um, yeah. in LA. And the other was Amy Houston, who at that time was working for Ramirez Tran in LA and um then I went and did a day with my friend Victoria Hunter um who works she's like the queen of balayage over in New York and um I did a day with her over there and like from that time working with like just being in the salon getting familiar with people going out for dinners like connecting with like really famous hairdressers I was like it's those relationships that continued to propel further yeah. relationships totally. you know like it really is a relationship business and you know like it was it was crazy it was so crazy i was like again that imposter syndrome set in and i was like oh my god like tracy cunningham is walking towards me i'm outside the of her salon like yeah. what am i going to do you know and she's like a very kind woman she was like hello like welcome like come in and like be a part of this you know um it opens your eyes too
0: because there's so many like our industry within Australia you know you you see the same people at the expo and the all it's the same thing and when you go over there you realize how there's a huge other world of people who don't know us and we don't know them like I remember when I moved here talking about certain Instagram profiles or being like, oh, you don't follow this person. Like that was such a mainstream hairdresser for me. That wasn't, nobody <laughs> knew who I was talking about. And I was shocked. Like,
1: I uh, know it's crazy, but you know, one thing that really stood out for me from those experiences is how people work inside these salons, yeah. you know, cause I'm there watching and I'm like, oh, we're doing things all wrong. You know, like these guys have, uh, they're so matter of fact around how they do hair. They're just like, let's not fuck around, excuse my language. (laughs) Let's just get in there and and do it. You know, like they're so just like, yep, to the client, tell me what you want. Show me a picture of what you want. Is it achievable? Yes. If it's achievable, then let's just get on with it, you know? And like, I saw amazing hair being done, which was super simplistic. And like, you know, a lot of that came back to me and like how I am in the salon today. You know, they're like very, very, very straightforward. They don't overcomplicate things. You know, like if someone wants to see highlights, they want it to be textural, they make it chunky and they just get on with it. You know, like they're it's not worried if it's going to be too strong.
0: That I feel like very I get a different. lot of people coming to me being like, I want an American balayage. And I'm like, what is that but it's just dimension and tons of bold mm-hmm. pieces we're not afraid to yep. make it thick and chunky and contrast correct over correct
1: there. and Yeah, exactly. And the thing is that like, from those experience, um, you know, like, I think six weeks later, after I came back from that trip, Jay was over there doing the very similar thing. And he was creating, he was creating contacts and connections. And, you know, like his brain, entrepreneurially, and is very business minded. He was like, creating different contacts to what my brain was creating mm. do you know what I mean yeah totally. so the people like,
0: you're drawn to is different to what he would be drawn to because you have different um visions of where you're going with it correct correct so and you know it
1: was very much a yin yang type of thing which was cool and like I came back and I was just like my work changed immediately mm-hmm. right And that meant that what we were teaching in our domestic workshops. So like in Australia, like was just elevating each time, elevating, elevating, elevating to, it was very different, very, very different. And, you know, like, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of similar now where you've got a lot of people doing a lot of the techniques and, you know, like the style of education that we launched like four years ago. It's kind of like prevalent throughout Australia now, that type of vibe. Yeah. Um, But at the time, like it was really like, it was really new for the industry in Australia um, to have a really inclusive, very relaxed, down to earth, ego-free environment to come and, you know, learn to do hair in. Um, And that really started like the whole, I think the whole movement around how education's done in Australia um, to the industry and it was amazing like we were having these like just wins after wins after wins and you know like we had this incredible um like leadership team in education and it was so good it was a dynamic like duo and the experience was really amazing um but you know like crystal the thing about me is you've probably seen from you know like I kind of work in cycles you know like I get to a point where you know, like I always talk about it, like milk, milk has an expiry date and it's so sweet until that expiry date. And then like every day after then it just gets worse and worse to taste. Yeah. Correct. So that's me in a nutshell.
0: And Michael Kelly in a nutshell is where I'm going to pause this interview and leave you on a cliffhanger to hear what happens next in his story and how he went from being a part of the Edwards & Co. education team, and now out on his own freelancing and all of the journey from there. So tune in next week and I will drop part two of my interview with Michael Kelly. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. Don't forget to follow, like, and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube to get all the notifications of our weekly episodes.